from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Went into his study where there was a bureau and he got out these metals. There's sound effects of of trucks moving in uh, the night before and tanks moving in. There's fake radio deceptions. There's phony headquarters. There's people impersonating generals. I mean, it's like a a full-scale stage production, only it's on the battlefield. If you're trying to draw enemy attention with inflatable tanks and sound effects and illusion, but you don't have any weapons of your own, you're in a pretty slippery spot. Meeting these guys, getting to know them, getting to tell their story, getting to advocate for them, turns out to be the great honor of my life. I'm Sarah Funsky. Last spring, on this show, we explored the work of the Ghost Army. The 1,100 men of the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops arrived in Europe not long after D-Day, armed not with the tools of warfare, but of subterfuge. They tricked the German army with fake radio broadcasts and signage and even inflatable tanks. But after the war, they returned home under strict orders never to speak of their deceptions. Carolyn Spence Cagle of Lampy, Missouri, is the daughter of a man who served in the Ghost Army. She said that her father took that admonition to heart. My father was pretty much, uh, he was a straight and narrow guy for the most part, and he was told when he left the Ghost Army that he was to not utter a breath or any words about what he did in the, in the war. And Joseph Spence kept his silence all the way up until 1996. That's when the Ghost Army's exploits were finally declassified. I remember that my father, when he was allowed to really talk about uh, his experience during World War II, went into his study where there was a bureau, and he got out these medals that he had received from the French government for Mm -hmm. his service. And, you know, his eyes were wet, and, you know, all of us were very impressed, you know, to think our dad was actually doing something that merited a governmental you know, gratitude was just phenomenal. Now, like most members of the greatest generation, Joseph Spence has since passed away. But that hasn't stopped his daughter, Carolyn Spence Cagle, of fighting to see his work honored and see him honored not just by other governments, but by his own. And on that, she's been working with my guest today, Rick Beyer. He is the director of the documentary The Ghost Army, which is streaming on Amazon. And he is also the uh, president of the Ghost Army Legacy Project. Rick Beyer, welcome back. Oh, Sarah, great to be here. Thank you so much. So, Rick, we have some good news on this subject. But first, just give us a little grounding here. Tell us a bit about the men who served in the Ghost Army. Did they volunteer for this particular job? Well, some of them enlisted and some of them were drafted, but none of them knew they were going to be doing this crazy deception job until their units were selected to be part of the the deception troops that went into action in Europe. So, yeah, they didn't they didn't know until suddenly they were assigned this job of, hey, look, we want you to draw fire from the enemy. Good luck. Yeah. I mean, when you put it that way, it sounds really dangerous. Was it? It was dangerous because they were operating uh, on 
uh, sometimes quite near the front lines. Uh, they took casualties, uh, relatively light casualties, but they were always at risk. They were frequently getting shelled. They were frequently had close calls as well. Uh, and, you know, it's if you're trying to draw enemy attention with inflatable tanks and sound effects and illusion, but you don't have any weapons of your own, you're in a pretty slippery spot. Yeah, so I mean, they were really there trying to trick out the German army. We mentioned these inflatable tanks. We have a picture of those on our website. That's stlonair.show. Uh, I mean, you almost have to see this to believe this. So the idea was to make it look real from far away. Right. So you're trying to fool the enemy into thinking a real unit, let's say the 6th Armored Division, is moving into a certain spot. So you use all different media. The inflatable tanks might be mostly camouflaged and and hidden under trees, and we're hoping that enemy aerial reconnaissance just gets a small glimpse of them. But there's all these other parts to it. There's sound sound effects of of trucks moving in uh, the night before and tanks moving in. There's fake radio deceptions. There's phony headquarters. There's people impersonating generals. I mean, it's like a it's like a full-scale stage production, only it's on the battlefield. Yeah, and they're doing this in the European theater. I mean, that term there is kind of like, hmm, there you go. <laughs> the right. theater. But this is a time when, you know, people were fighting inch by inch by inch, a very dangerous place to be. Did they have instructions on what to do if they started getting shelled upon? Well, you know, they their general instructions. If they were getting shelled, uh, where they were trying to, they were going to try to pull out. You know, they're not in a position to repel uh, an enemy attack. And and some light shelling uh, is is basically something they faced a lot. But if they got a heavy uh, a shelling or a heavy enemy assault against them, they would they would try to pull the, pull them back at that point. And you know, during the Battle of the Bulge, they did they pulled this whole unit uh, like a 50, 75 miles behind the lines. And and, you know, partly because they couldn't do anything, but partly because they wanted to preserve the deception capability. They didn't want the Germans to capture them and figure out there was a deception unit. Hmm. And so this was classified, as I mentioned earlier, this was classified a long time. These guys came home from the war and, and weren't supposed to talk about any of this. Yeah. And some people uh, that, that, you know, I've heard the stories of people literally uh, a woman saw the museum exhibit about the ghost army at the National World War II Museum a couple of years ago. She saw the insignia. She said, wait a minute, that's my dad's unit. We have that patch at home. He had never said anything. And that was really, really common. So you have done such good work to try to rectify that, to bring these stories to light now that this is legally permissible. Um, so your documentary, Telling Their Story, this is called The Ghost Army. You can stream this on Amazon. This came out in 2013. At the point that you brought this documentary to the world, told this story, did you think you'd spend the next nine years of your life staying <laughs> on this story? And, and frankly, trying to advocate for these men. No, you know it's funny because I, uh, you're, you've you've hit it you're hit it exactly. I sat there watching the documentary air on PBS back in 2013, and I said, "Oh, look, I'm done. I'm done with the Ghost Army. That's great. What's next?" And I had no idea that the Ghost Army had gotten its claws into me, uh, and it would continue on for so long. But look. It's been amazing because meeting these guys, getting to know them, getting to tell their story, getting to advocate for them turns out to be the great honor of my life. I mean, it turns out to 
I didn't know it going in. It turns out to be my life's work. Uh, and so I feel exceptionally lucky that this has taken place. And so that life's work has been a campaign of education, but that education has also had a purpose. What has been your goal um, as you've sort of continued to, to bring this not just to the public, but to lawmakers? Well, we, we our, our broad goal has always been to get this unit recognized, to get people to know the story and to honor them for what they did. And as part of that, we decided uh, seven years ago, uh, I decided that I would try to uh, lobby Congress to get this unit uh, awarded a Congressional Gold Medal because they were not honored, I think, appropriately at the time during World War II because they were so secret. So uh, I set out with some other people, including Carolyn, who you had on earlier, and and increasing other amount of other people, to try to convince Congress to award them a Congressional Gold Medal. And that goal, Sarah, as you know, uh, was achieved uh, last week when President Biden signed into law uh, the Ghost Army Congressional Gold Medal Act. And I have to tell you, that was quite a journey trying to make that happen. And I'm still can't quite believe that it actually did. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's just a wonderful ending to this story that kind of just didn't have resolution for so long. It's a Hollywood long. ending to it the is. story, right? <laughs> so you built support for the state by state by state. And I feel like Missouri, uh, Missouri played a role in this. Uh, in 2020, Missouri named June 6th Ghost Army Recognition Day. Is that something that was happening in other states around the country at that same time? There were a few states that uh, that looked at doing that and some legislation that passed in different uh, places. Uh, but Missouri is the only one that ended up actually going all the way. And uh, that's thanks to Dean Dorman in the legislature who really made that happen. You know, lobbying Congress is, I mean, I didn't think that I was going to become an expert lobbyist in this process, but I guess I am. Uh, and lobbying Congress is very interesting because Congress essentially consists of 535 independent businesses under one roof. Ooh. Every congressional office is an independent business with a staff and a boss and a culture and a different way of doing things. And in order to pass this legislation, we needed co-sponsors. So we literally needed to convince 350 of those offices, one by one, to support this bill. Uh, and so that's a work that took uh, dozens and dozens of people working for years to make that happen. Boy, it's kind of amazing because this seems like the ultimate no-brainer. You know, we're talking about the greatest generation, guys that weren't honored in their own time and deserve this. And yet, I mean, this really was, you're in the trenches for a long time working on this. I literally have a note in front of me uh, on my outline that says there is no such thing as a no-brainer because <laughs> this phrase used to come up so much. People say, what it's a no-brainer. But if you're a congressional office, nothing is a no-brainer. And you have to look at everything carefully. You've got a, a hundred competing things coming in. You've got an avalanche of emails and phone calls trying to get their attention, convince them it's a good idea, uh, and move it all the way forward. Yeah, it's it's just, it's a heavy lift. Even on something, you know, nobody opposed this on the merits. Nobody said, the Ghost Army doesn't deserve this medal. But it's just hard. It's just hard, hard work. 
Well, congratulations on this. We're so happy. And we do want to mention, if people are interested in watching this Congressional Medal Ceremony, it takes place this Sunday. That's 1 p.m. Central Time. You can stream it live on YouTube. We have the link, the YouTube link you'll need to go to. That's linked on our website, stlonair.show. And and Rick, this brings me to a bittersweet part of this. I mean, you were working on this so hard for so many years. But at the time that you're working on this, we were losing members of the Ghost Army left and right. It's not just Joseph Spence. So many of these men are gone. Does, does that make this kind of bittersweet? Oh, it does. It does. There's only 10 veterans left out of more than 1,300 who took part. And, you know, I made my documentary film, and every person I interviewed for that film is gone. They're, they're gone. It's uh, The Ghost Army's become an army of ghosts. But, Sarah, I think it's important, not just for the soldiers themselves and for their families, but it's kind of we owe it to ourselves to honor this unit, to recognize the role of creativity and uh, performance and illusion and creative thinking on the battlefield and say, well, this is something we want to honor and preserve as an inspiration to us all. Mm-hmm. And for those surviving members, do you know, will will uh, many of them be there on Sunday for the ceremony? Oh, I think on, on Sunday for our live cast, I think we will have seven or eight out of the 10 uh, surviving veterans will be there with us. I think that's going to be the best part is to kind of get some of their thoughts. And also, you know, we're going to present them all these congratulatory messages from senators and congressmen and other people. I want them to understand what a big deal this really is and to appreciate that and appreciate how they are appreciated. That is a big deal. If you want to catch this for yourself, again, this is 1 p.m. Central Time on Sunday. That link is on our website, stlonair.show. Rick Beyer, thank you so much for joining us today. My great pleasure. Thank you. Rick is the president of the Ghost Army Legacy Project and director of the Ghost Army. You can stream the Ghost Army on Amazon. Highly recommend that one. Today's episode was produced by Sarah Fenske with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.